kicking off week three of the SaltCast. We've got Drew Stevenson coming on today to talk through the complexity of Christians wanting to be active in the way that we serve for others, but also wanting to be wise and keeping up with social distancing. And so we'll learn some intentional and practical steps that we can do to pursue after that. Let's go ahead and get started. Welcome to week three of the SaltCast. This week we've got Drew Stevenson on, and I've been looking forward to this conversation. Drew, how are we doing today? Doing great, man. I'm excited to join you. Dude, good to have you on. And if you guys don't know, Drew and I, like Jordan, go way back. I still remember my freshman year walking to my freshman kickoff, where one of the first person I met was you, Drew. Uh, And then throughout our time in Ames, throughout our time in Iowa City, and now in Minneapolis, shared just a lot of life together. And one of the things that we've loved talking about, many things, is the NBA. And I found out that Drew is uh, a big 90s Bulls fan, one of the biggest Larry Bird fans you'll ever find. But we didn't really get closure to this year um, as it got cut a little bit short. And so basically what I wanted to kick off this talk with is getting a little bit of closure by hearing Drew Stevenson's predictions of how the NBA playoffs would have ended out. So we've got the bracket of what would have been the NBA playoffs, and I've asked Drew to narrow that down to an Eastern and Western Conference Finals and then to give his recap. So, Drew, on the Eastern Conference, you have the Bucks and Boston, and then on the Western, you have both L.A. teams. Let's hear who you think would win in both of those conference finals and why. Okay, so definitely in the Eastern Conference Finals, I'm going with the Bucks. Because essentially the Bucks' offense is you just give the ball to Giannis and everybody gets out of the way. I mean, who from Boston's going to guard him? Tatum can't stop him one-on-one, so you got to collapse. And then he's just got shooters all around him. Yeah. So I I still think that series goes to six or seven games. I just think Giannis is so much better than Boston's best player that the Bucks take that series. Okay. Western, you got L.A. versus L.A., which I think everyone – was looking forward to see that clash of L.A. So who do you have winning between the Lakers and Clippers and why? So between the Lakers and the Clippers, I would have the Lakers. But I got to say, like, I'm totally biased because (laughs) LeBron James was the first NBA player my age to be in the NBA. So I've been following his career since I was like a junior in high school. So I've been rooting for him. I want him to win. But if I just put on my basketball hat, I think that the Lakers not only have the best player in that series, it could be argued they have the best two players in the series. A lot of people would put Kawhi above AD. He's got more playoff experience. But I think you pair AD with LeBron. Both those guys are playing, you know, 42, 43 minutes a game. And then LeBron just turns it on. I think that is definitely a seven-game series. But... If you've watched any of the L.A.-L.A. matchups, every game in that series is a home game for the Lakers. They really don't have a lot of Clippers fans in L.A. So essentially they're playing home game after home game after home game after home game, which I think that's what really pushes them over the top. So you have L.A. 
Lakers and the Bucks in the finals. What do you have for that series? I think the difference between Boston and LA in yep. matching up with the Bucks is that the Lakers have a lot of big bodies they can throw at Giannis. Oh, for sure. So you can you can put AD on him, who's bigger, stronger, taller yeah. than Giannis. You can also throw LeBron at him for a good 20 minutes of the game. And then you've got rim protection. So you've got JaVale McGee and you've got Dwight Howard. And I actually think Lakers would win that series in six. So we've got the Lakers winning it in six. With that being said, guys, you heard it here first. Your 2020 NBA champions are the Los Angeles Lakers. So hopefully that provides... Uh, some closure for you all, as it did for me there. So Drew and I were actually planning on going to the Los Angeles Lakers in the Minnesota Timberwolves game when they came into town at the end of March. But obviously, with what we're going through right now, that NBA season was cut short. And I feel like when the NBA season was canceled and then the NCAA tournament and all that stuff started to happen, that's when it started to feel a little bit more real of what was happening with COVID-19 in our country. And it started to like settle in a little bit more and catch our attention. And so, Drew, I'm curious to hear from you. Maybe how did you initially process that? And how has that changed over the last couple of weeks as we've been adjusting to this new way of life? Well, I think I was initially processing it in terms of leadership. And so there was just a lot of decisions to be made. You know, when we found out you can't gather in groups of more than a hundred, that was a big moment. Yeah. And then we found out you can't gather in groups of um, more than 10. And that mm-hmm. was a big moment. Yeah. And then of course you've got the shelter in place. And so I was more just thinking about our church family and I was thinking, okay, we need to make good decisions. We need to make level-headed decisions that both honor our government hmm. and communicate love to our people. And so it's not just that we make good decisions, it's that we make them in helpful ways. And then I think after those decisions were made, I think a time of grief set in for me, you know, just seeing the news reports come in and seeing all of the human suffering that is happening, not only in our country, but throughout the world and how many people this is going to impact their lives economically, and it's going to impact some people's lives by ending their lives prematurely. Mm. And I think I just felt the weight of that. And uh, whenever I'm in a situation um, where there's suffering, I always run to the Psalms. And so have just found a lot of comfort in the reality that God's people have suffered a lot over the centuries. And I'm not the first person to experience grief or pain or sorrow. Mm. And I can take those things to God and process them with him. And by processing my emotions, get his perspective and be able to not kind of wallow in that grief, but move forward from that grief. Yeah. Is there a a Psalm that you've found yourself going back to, or have you just been kind of living throughout and reading throughout the Psalms? My pattern has been to start with the Psalm of the day. So if it's the seventh, I'm starting in Psalm seven, and then I'm reading 
maybe every 10 or every 20. So I might read, you know, Psalm 7, Psalm 17, Psalm 27 that day. And I'm kind of waiting to see which one of the Psalms really just resonates with me. And there might just be one line. One I think think of from this week uh, that I read that really resonated with me was Psalm 4. And the last line of Psalm 4 is, in peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Hmm. And so right now, as we're all trying to grasp for safety in various different things, oh, I got to get an N95 mask and I got to make sure I wear my gloves at the grocery store and I got to make sure I I keep my social distance from people. And all of those things are, are things that I would say do those things. But at the same time, at the end of the day, when my head hits the pillow at night, what can I rest my heart? and my hope in. It can't be what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. It has to be that I have a loving Heavenly Father who is protecting me and who is taking care of me and who loves my family Hmm. and who loves our church family and who loves our city, who loves our country and who loves our world. He's what hasn't changed. He's faithful. And I can bank my my trust and my hope in Him. Yeah, that's so good because if we try to put our hope in what we're doing, this is such a chaotic time that it seems so out of control. So we, it would be such shifty ground that we'd be trying to find our foundation. And it's just crazy to walk through the Psalms and see David or the psalmist continuing to cry out in different ways, different struggles. Um, and it's the complexity of like how big, how powerful God is, but yet that we get to hide in the shadow of his wing. Like Those are two dynamics that you see throughout the Psalms that have been incredibly comforting for me. And as we now are hearing more stories of whether it's college students going home, facing difficult situations, people in our church, um, people in this city. And for us as Christians, this, these are moments that we want to act out and serve. And I think a lot of Christians are feeling the, the struggle of, man, I want to I want to be a light in this city. I want to be a light to people around me that are hurting, and I want to serve them but I also want to be wise in social distancing. And those things seem at first like they can't happen simultaneously. And and I feel like a lot of people have been dealing with that. So what would your encouragement be to Christians who are kind of wrestling with that question? I would say that the question requires wisdom. Hmm. And so, in other words, there's sort of these categories that we normally put things in as like, this is wrong and sinful behavior, and this is good and right behavior. But there's not a chapter in the Bible that you can turn to that's like, this is how you behave in a global pandemic. And so if we're looking for a list of rules, we're not going to find it. Hmm. But what we do have is the Spirit of God living inside of us. And so I think that based on our stage of life and where we're living, there's going to be different opportunities that come up. And so I would say we want to be available to God and we want to say, okay, God, what are you asking me to do? And I think what that's going to involve is a combination of obeying the governing authorities and it's going to be not operating in fear but operating in love for those around us. And so I've heard different stories of people 
helping older folks out by running to the grocery store for them and getting groceries or people who are volunteering to babysit for healthcare workers mm. who are serving in our community. And so you look at those on the surface and in one way, they're like risky behaviors. Like you could get COVID-19 by making two or three extra trips to the grocery store in a month. Yeah. And I think that we just need to say, God, give us wisdom. Mm, because I think good. for some, that's what he's going to call them to. For others, that's not what he's going to call them to. And so I think as I, I even think about my own life, I mean, we have five kids living under our roof and I have an autoimmune disease, which makes me a more high risk person when it comes to, to COVID-19. And so we've really been sheltering in place and kind of staying put and take care of our family. But that doesn't mean that I've sort of put my foot down in that place and said, this is all that, that I'm going to do. But I'm saying each day as I walk around my neighborhood or as I'm in God's word, I'm saying, God, what do you want me to do today? Who do you want me to help? How can I serve? And I think as those opportunities come up, you take them one at a time yeah. and you seek to be obedient to Jesus. And that's going to look different in each yeah. of our lives, but it's going to look like something. Yeah. What is maybe one example of a, a way that you've been trying to, or like, as you've walked around your city and you've been praying for like people to love people to care for, what does that look like for you? I've been going on um, walks with my kids and I try to keep, you know, six to 12 feet away from my neighbors, but just ask them how they're doing, how we can serve them. We've been inviting our neighbors to our online services cool. for church and just trying to stay updated. Like, hey, yeah. you guys need anything? How you guys doing? What's going on? It seems like at the moment, people are doing pretty well, but yeah. we just want to stay engaged. You know, my wife's on uh, the Next Door Neighbor app and is, yeah. is texting out like, hey, does anyone need anything at the grocery store or does anything anyone need an online church service or whatever so yeah. just trying to keep our ears open for sure for what's going on if we kind of look back all of what you said is under the umbrella of we need to operate out of wisdom and not out of this category of right and wrong which then there's this awareness of being available to god that we are just coming before him like how can i love my neighbors who is someone that I can be praying for? How how can I be serving? And when we are available to God in that way, that allows us to be aware of ways that we can be practically serving Him, giving some of those examples that you did, but also just being aware of the stage of life that we're in. And if that stage is doing a great job at our house, not feeling a guilt like I should be doing more, but seeing that that is honoring to Jesus as well. Um, and so I think those things are going to be yeah, incredibly helpful for people to hear and just having a little bit more intentionality with not being paralyzed by how much hurt is out there and how we should be trying to help all of it. But God, how can I help someone today? What does that look like for me today? Yeah. And I think uh, one thing I would, I would just clarify a little bit on that. I think the way that we keep from being paralyzed is by starting our day by processing Mm. our grief and our pain with God, yeah. you know, just 
my mom used to always quote this to me when I was a kid, cast all your anxieties on God yeah, because he cares for you. And I would say, if you're not anxious right now, you're not alive. Yeah. You know, you're not <laughs> paying sure. attention. If there's not things that are overwhelming to you in the world, yeah. you're not alive. But I think even that our anxiety is an opportunity to, to trust our heavenly father. Yep. And so we bring those things to him in the morning. And then as they come back into our minds and hearts throughout the day, we continue to bring them to him. And then we find ourselves free Hmm. to love and serve others. And that doesn't always look heroic, but at the end of the day, just those small steps of obedience are heroic to the people that we're loving and serving. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that, Drew. And I think that'll be, yeah, just helpful for college students at home or people who have jobs at home now um, in any stage of life to begin thinking through what does it look like for me to process this with my father? What does this look like for me to take steps forward? So thanks for spending some time out of your day, your busy day to uh, walk through that with us. We appreciate it, man. Yep. Love you, Drake. Love all you guys in Salt Company too. Love you too, Drewby. We'll see you. Thanks for jumping into this week's episode of the Salt Cast. Go ahead and give us a follow on Instagram at either Salt St. Paul or UMN Salt to get more information on Salt Company in the Twin Cities. Next week, we're going to be having a very close friend of mine on, Matt Johnson, who is a licensed counselor. And I just want to process with him the topic of mental health, which can be a unique difficulty for many in this season where we are isolated away from community and how we can fight for having good mental health in this time. So be looking out for that next week. Otherwise, have a great week. Thank you.